on episode 381 of the YLP podcast, Elimination Chamber has officially come and gone, and that means we get to review what went down in Perth, Australia last Saturday morning, depending on where the heck in the world you were at at the time of it. Uh, for me, it was 3 a.m. I'm asleep, so uh, I did get to watch it. I took some notes. And we're going to be discussing what went down. Who were the winners of the men's and women's elimination chambers? Did the New Catch Republic become the new undisputed tag team champions? What went down at with the Grayson Waller effect? And also, what do I think of the show overall? What were the best and the worst matches? What the MVP, who the MVP was for this show? And uh, of course, the final grade. For Elimination Chamber, now that we are free and clear and officially fully on the road to WrestleMania. Now, I also completely forgot, uh, as I was watching the Kings of the Rings podcast this past Wednesday, uh, Revo- AEW Revolution is actually going down this Sunday. Foolish me for not understanding the actual calendar. And we're going to be doing a little bit of a preview and predictions for AEW Revolution. We did go 3-1 and one, uh, with the... Predictions for Elimination Chamber, of course, uh, not getting the Undisputed Tag Team Championship correct, and it bees what it bees, it is what it is. We're going to be doing a little bit of a preview for Revolution. I'll be providing my thoughts on that just a little bit. And of course, what would a episode of the YLP podcast be without the news of the week? We got some big news. Well, depending on who you ask. But we got some uh, news from WrestleZone.com. Julia is apparently, reportedly, leaving stardom at the end of next, actually, technically, the end of this month, given the fact that it is March now, ladies and gentlemen. We also got news from WrestleTalk.com. Nick Khan explaining how the Netflix Raw deal will help WWE become a globalized, a global, localized product. I believe that was uh, what it said there. Excuse me one second. Yep, a global, localized product. And then we'll end the news. With, from Fightful.com, Big E, of course, as we know, is still out with injury for the time being. But he is open to doing more panels and hosting with WWE as he wants to stay involved with the company. We'll break all of that down. Discuss uh, my thoughts on the Big E situation and how I believe he did at the WrestleMania kickoff. And also, we gotta make sure we kick off today's episode because we did lose two members of the wrestling, pro wrestling community this past week. Uh, as we found out, Ole Anderson, founding member of the Four Horsemen, dying at the age of 81, and Mike Virgil Jones, passing away at the age of 61. All of that and more, because ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 381 of the YLP podcast. Let's hit that intro. Let's get it started. And with that being said, let us begin. Zach from the Wrestling Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode 381 
of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this fine Saturday. And I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. It is Saturday, March 2nd. 2024. Hope you guys had a fantastic week. Hope it was everything you needed it to be. And if not, hey, you still got a weekend to work on it and get right back at it like a crack addict on Monday. Yes, Elimination Chamber has come and gone, and we are on the precipice of AEW Revolution this coming Sunday, if my mind serves me right. Again, uh, as I said in the intro, I completely forgot that AEW Revolution was even going down this Sunday. Uh, Silly me for not being uh, in tune with what's going on in the professional wrestling world. I'm trying to do the best that I can with what I'm working with, so bear with me as I continue back getting back into the fold that is being back in the YLP realm. But yeah, uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions about today's episode, uh, you can hit me up with a voice message over at podcasters.spotify dot com slash young lions perspective you can also hit me up a nice little email over at young lions perspective at gmail.com let me know your thoughts what you're thinking what's on your mind about the world of professional wrestling as we go on further to the road to wrestlemania as we are literally five weeks away as of this episode from the granddaddy of them all the show of shows the everything of everything excuse me that is WrestleMania, okay? And it feels good. Now, um, yeah, last week I was a bit under the weather. Uh, and forgive me for, uh, you know, kind of being a little bit nasally. I have uh, almost recovered fully. Um, still getting back into my bearings. I'm feeling a lot better than I did last week, I promise you that. So it has definitely been a rough go of things. Um, like I said, I'm feeling a lot better. Um, yeah, so still getting back into my bearings of... You know, being able to do a podcast for however long I'll do this podcast today and trying not to be crazy shortness of breath. I mean, guarantee, I mean, granted, I do live in uh, the Centennial State of Colorado, so the air is a bit thinner here. And when you're recovering from sickness, it sucks. Just wanted to point that out there if you're not from the area. But yeah, uh, I do feel a lot better. Um, I'm in better spirits. You know, I've been t- trying to take care of myself as much as possible, drinking my fluids, taking the medicine that I need to take. Mucinex has been a godsend uh, this past <laughs> this past week. I promise you that. So um, yeah, uh, again, I'm feeling a lot better, and um, I appreciate y'all checking out the podcast from last week. If you haven't checked it out yet, do so. But wait until after this episode and you check that out and see sound see how measly I actually sound uh, from last week's episode. But again. Um, Thank you for rocking with me as always, and let us begin getting into uh, this episode, and let us talk, of course, as we always do, with the news of the week. we got a jam-packed show, and we shouldn't be wasting any more time talking about foolishness and nonsense. Let us move forward. Um, Before we fully get into the news that I do have on tap this week, just three bits of news on the docket this go-around. We did find out uh, this past week that... um, Two members of the professional wrestling community have unfortunately passed away. Uh, those two being Ole Anderson, founding member of the Four Horsemen, and Mike Virgil Jones, uh, passing away at the ages of 81 and 61, uh, respectively. So let's get into that real quick before we get into the news of the week. Uh, we'll talk about Ole Anderson for a moment from John Jordan over at uh, WrestlingInc.com, by the way. 
A founding member of the Four Horsemen and one of the biggest heels from the territory area of wrestling, Ole Anderson has died. Ricky Morton shared the news of Anderson's death via his Instagram earlier this evening, which actually took place this past Monday. Morton wrote, quote, Rest in peace, Ole Anderson. You taught me so much in professional wrestling. You were tough as nails. You will be missed, my friend. End quote. Anderson, whose real name was Alan Robert Rogowski, was 81 years old. Following his wrestling career, Anderson worked as a booker for Georgia Championship Wrestling and Jim Crockett Promotions, notably beefing with Vince McMahon over the takeover of GCW in 1984. Eventually, Anderson would wind up as part of WCW's exclusive, uh, ex- not exclusive, executive team. But kept to his word as far as McMahon goes, reportedly refusing to agree to participate in documentaries and WWE Hall of Fame presentations, still hanging on to the animosity stemming from McMahon's territory takeover. Anderson's spot as an original horseman next to Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, and Arn Anderson, managed by J.J. Dillon, was ultimately ceded to Lex Luger in 1987. He was also part of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, alongside his kayfabe brother, Gene Anderson, replacing Lars Anderson, not related, in the group upon his departure from the territory. In 2007, it was reported that Anderson had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, although there is no word as of yet as to an exact cause of death. Now, me personally, I was a big fan of the original Four Horsemen, of course, Blanchard, Ric Flair, and the Andersons. And I loved the Anderson boys um, as a tag team. They were Personally, they are one of my favorite tag teams in the history of the of professional wrestling. As you as y'all know, if you've been listening for a um, long, uh, sort of uh, sort of you know good amount of period of time, I love me some tag team wrestling, and those two were just fantastic together. Oli Oli was a freaking beast. I mean, Arn's a beast, but Oli was the tank that made those two go. And he was one of those guys. At least to me personally, he didn't say much, but when he needed to, he spoke when he needed to. And then on top of that, he was kind of he was just that guy in the group. I think he was the guy that kind of rounded everything together uh, in terms of what made the four horsemen the four horsemen that we see today. And it's one of those things where you know, as a pro wrestling fan, you never want to lose talent. But of course, Father Time is always going to be undefeated. Unfortunately, um, we do know we do not know as of this moment. Um, the exact cause of death as of yet, but if we do, I'll be able to. I'll try my best to pass that along to you guys in the next week, uh, maybe the coming weeks. Uh, we'll just pass that news along. But um, let us go over to uh, Mike Virgil Jones, uh, who passed away unfortunately two days later at the age of sixty-one. Uh, this is from eWrestlingNews.com, written by Thomas Lawson. Former WWE and WCW star Mike Jones, better known as Virgil and Vincent has died at the age of 61 years old. The news was confirmed by Pittsburgh referee Mark Charles III, who took to Facebook today to share the sad news. He said, quote, My dear friends, it is with great sorrow that I bring news from the Jones family of the passing of our beloved Michael Jones, whom we know and loved as Virgil, Vincent, Soul Train Jones, and more. Virgil passed peacefully at the hospital this morning, and I ask that you pray for him and his family. May his memory be eternal. End quote. Jones had been diagnosed with dementia in 2022 and had previously suffered two minor strokes in addition to other medical issues. Jones started his career with Championship Wrestling Association under the alias Soul Train Jones before joining the WWF as Ted DiBiase's manservant in Virgil. The name was a rib from by WWF management on Dusty Rhodes, whose real name was Virgil. In WCW, Jones was rechristened as Vincent as a rib on Vince McMahon. 
We here at EWN would like to offer our condolences to Jones's family and friends at this sad time. And I did see, I saw something on Twitter um, this past week, actually, um, of him actually defeating Ted DiBiase at, at SummerSlam to become the million dollar champion. And to see stuff like that, uh, especially in, in passing of a talent, um, the likes of Virgil, Vincent, whoever you want to call him, um, it's really nice to see. And it's really one of those things where, you know, it was a really big moment in the career of Virgil. And over the past couple of years, I, I mean, I believe I did follow him on um, Instagram. And, you know, seeing him go through his, you know, dementia treatments and trying to get back into good health and all that good stuff, it really, you know, was hard to see a man who was, you know, going through a lot, a lot of growing pains and a lot of hurt and a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of shit. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot to take in. And, you know, you don't want ever want to see like a family member go through anything like that. I mean, personally, I lost my aunt, uh, not too long ago, um, a few uh, weeks ago, um, and she passed away from colon cancer. And I know that was very hard for my family to stomach as I had not known about it literally until, uh, like about an hour or so after I had got home from work and my mother telling me about that. So it was very, it's very hard to lose a family member, um, a friend or, you know, whoever your affiliation is with that person. It is very hard to lose a family member. It is very hard to lose someone as a pro wrestling fan in the pro wrestling community. Um, I know we gave Vincent, you know, Virgil a lot of shit. Over the years and, you know, jokingly, of course, but, you know, having dementia in 2022 and then having to fight to try to get that back and unfortunately losing that battle um, is very hard. And for and for any of us who have been wrestling fans for quite some time, me, myself, I've been the fan of close to 30 years now. I'm actually 36 and I started being a wrestling fan when I was eight years old. Um, thank you, Hogan and Goldberg, for that. Um, but seeing, you know... And uh, going off of last week's episode, you know, Booker T was talking about, you know, black talent in the wrestling industry. You know, Vincent was a key member, may not have been the most key member of the NWO, but he was a key member of the NWO at the time. Um, stood pretty much like Vincent, pretty much like Hogan's, one of Hogan's right-hand men in the in the group. And, you know, just him, him seeing him being there, I mean, he didn't really wrestle much um, during his time in the NWO, as far as I remember as a kid, but that's a long time ago. But... You know, he was uh, a constant a constant in the NWO, and seeing him in there, it was just me, me as a kid, it's just like, holy shit, that kid, you know, Vincent, that kid's cool. You know, you know, seeing someone, in, you know, like myself, in the company, and then being in this big angle with the biggest stable at the time, you know, besides DX, um, in, you know, NWO, and that, uh, during that time in WCW, um, of course, the match with Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase, the feud that they had going up to their, leading into their match at SummerSlam, um, was a big moment for him, and he was very over when he got that three count. So you could tell, like, the crowd was very behind him, you know, in terms of the feud itself. But um, as we always do, it's very hard. And on behalf of the entire Wrestle Attic Radio Squadron, we offer our condolences to the families of, of the Rogowski and uh, and my uh, Michael and uh, the Rogowski and the Jones families. Um, we extend our thoughts and prayers out to those families. And of course, as we, as I always try to do, um, allow them to be in their private time, allow them to, uh, grieve and all that good stuff. And let's just send nothing but good vibes and love 
to the Rogowski and the Jones family. Again, Ole Anderson passing away at the age of 81 this past Monday. Michael Virgil Jones passing away at the age of 61 this past Wednesday. And as tough as it is to continue on with this episode, we must march on in the honor of those two men and let us get into the news of the week, officially. As we head over to WrestleZone.com, and this is some big news for a big name that is definitely going to be a big, big fucking deal when she heads over to North America sometime in the spring. As there is reports of Julia leaving stardom at the end of March. This is from Colin Tessier. NJBW Strong Women's Champion Julia is reporting leaving stardom at the end of March. Tokyo Sports reports that Julia will be leaving stardom at the end of March upon the end of her contract. The report notes that she informed Bushiroad, stardom's parent company and the uh, major uh, top dog of New Japan Pro Wrestling, by the way, at the end of 2023. WWE has been interested in Julia for several months. And in December, Dave Meltzer reported that she was leaning towards signing with the company. Sean Rossap of Fightful confirmed that WWE had maintained interest in her. Earlier in February, Meltzer reported that Julia was delaying her move to WWE to help stardom founder Rossi Ogawa launch his new promotion after he got ousted from the company pretty much. And amid some uh, in- interesting scandals that I'm not going to discuss here because I'm not sure of all the information that I have just yet. But Russell Zone will provide more information as, as it becomes available. Now, the reason I wanted this to be a bit of the news of the week is because I've been hearing rumblings about this for months. Okay, and with this news begins a solid bidding war for who I believe is one of the best female talents in the world today, hands down. And basically just amazes me. I mean, uh, the talent that she is. I mean, uh, as of, I believe, a couple, about a month or so ago, Donna Del Mondo, the group that she was the leader of, actually disbanded um, in stardom. Um, her, Thecla, and a couple of other talents that I do, unfortunately, do not remember at the moment, but I, those are the two that I usually remember of those because they're adorable and they're my favorites. Um, I am just a man. I am merely just a man. We keep it coming. And so, excuse me one second, just sending a text. Can with that, y'all. All right. Anywho, Julia, to me, at least to me, I don't know about y'all. I don't know. I know y'all, most of y'all do not follow um, the Japanese side of professional wrestling things. And that is okay. I do not judge. That is your prerogative. You do what you do and what you feel is best. I ain't going to hate on that. I'm just letting you know I got you. That's why the, there's there's a reason there's the World Wrestling Sanctum um, chat in our Discord. Which you, can, which you can actually head over there. We got, I believe, uh, as Will said, we have about 30 people over there. Actually, now, uh, if you want to head over to uh, Twitter real quick, uh, go to at addict underscore wrestle. Um, A, follow us there because that is the hub of everything that is Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast, of course. Hit the link tree. 
There's a Discord invite invitation. Our esteemed general manager, King Ricky Rose, will welcome you in with open arms, and you will be joining us into the fold. And I'm hopeful, and I'm certainly hopeful that we will be doing something big for WrestleMania weekend. Um, we did it last year. Uh, it was myself, Fretz, Nate, uh, a couple of I believe Charles and Taekwon. We were uh, all in the group hanging out, uh, especially for night two. Whole and with the conversation we had that night after Cody lost uh, to Roman. Wow, we we wow. Um, but yeah, join us over there on the Discord. You can hang out with us and uh, chat away because it is all things pro wrestling, all things nonsense that we do over there. It's a good time. So definitely join us over the Discord. But Julia, to me, I think is, is a hell of a talent. And I think it was one of the best, best kept secrets in the world right now, currently, as a female wrestler. And honestly, in pro wrestling, period. Uh, one of the biggest names in Japan, period. Um... Had one of the best runs as a top champion in Japan, period, at least in the modern day. Um, a beast in the ring. She And she's gone with the best of the best. You know, there's, I mean, a lot of people will hopefully, or hoping, at least on my end, to see her in WWE with the likes of EO and Asuka and Kyrie and all that stuff. I think WWE would be the best fit for her. Now, here's the funny thing about that. With NGPW, with the NGPW Strong Women's Championship, if she were to go over to WWE, she would have to drop that championship. To whomst? I don't know. I have a couple ideas, and one of them is Mercedes Monet. Because I think it'd be a dope thing to see her back with the belt, even though, you know, well, technically she never actually won the championship. No, she did win the championship, and then lost it because due to a injury against Willow Nightingale, but we ball regardless. Um... But I would, but I think a money match between her and Mercedes would be insane, and I'm sure counting down the days we have as of this recording, um, technically we would have the entire month of March before she actually leaves stardom for good. Now, if she decides to stay with, decides to go the AEW route, that means she gets to stay as NJPW Strong Women's Openweight Champion. Would I enjoy that? Absolutely. I mean, anywhere she goes in North America, I think she would be welcomed with open arms and they would throw the bag at her immediately. But I think her and WWE would just be insane. Again, following the likes of Asuka, Eosky, Kyrie Sane, and just those uh, Josie talents that have done, at least in my opinion, quite well for themselves in WWE, with all three of them now being part of Damage Control. Um, it just it has worked out for all three. Don't know how the Dakota Kai effect is into it, but I think Dakota Kai is going to be turning on Bailey very, very soon. We'll see what happens. We got about five weeks to build before we get to um, WrestleMania on April 6th. So we still got a little bit of time before we you know, get all that sorted out. But think of the matches you could have in WWE. Think of the talent that's already in NXT currently in the women's division at this very moment. You got Lyra Valkyria. You got Roxanne Perez. You've got uh, Tiffany Stratton, who just moved up to the main roster. You have Jada Parker. You've got uh, Fallon Henley. I mean, you have a, so, a solid amount of talent in NXT. And, of, of course, through the NIL deal, you know, she's definitely going to be, you know, coming up going up against some solid talent. They're going to be growing up. But I think Julia, if, they, if she goes the NXT route, because I don't think it would make sense for her to just go straight into the main roster without having to learn the American style at least in the WWE style of professional wrestling. So I think that would make the most sense for her to go down to NXT. Hopefully they keep her name. That would just be very nice. Um, I know WWE is kind of in the factor of, you know, trying to, I, I'm not sure. I mean, under the Triple H era now, I think it would make sense uh, for Julia to keep her name. Um, that's the most recognizable name she has. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I, I mean, that's the most recognizable way she could do it. But it, 
Honestly, I would go out of your way to check out a couple of Julia matches. She's a beast in the ring. She is just a hell of a talent. And worldwide sensation comes to mind all the time. I mean, she's seen she's done it all over in stardom. And I think it's I think she's done everything that she could, besides, of course, helping uh, Ogawa-san to get into the fold of things, to be able to, you know, now branch out into the North American scene and become a bigger name than she already is. I mean, of course, a lot of people don't know who Julia is. You should. But that's just my opinion. I cannot wait. To see what happens at the end of March, because we know right after WrestleMania season is going to be it's going to be nuts. Of course, we have standing deliver um, that week as well, so we could see Julia signing with WWE. That's the report that's going down right now. But as we know here, we should be a wait and see and have a wait and see kind of approach. Let's just keep pivoting like that, and we should be okay in the grand scheme of things. That's just me, though. We'll see how everything goes. But we shall move on with a little bit more news that we got as we head over to WrestleTalk.com. Nick Khan explains how the Netflix Raw deal will help WWE become a global localized product. Doesn't say who wrote this, but uh, shout out to whoever did. WWE President Nick Khan has explained how the Netflix Raw deal will help WWE become a global localized product. In January... WWE announced that Raw will be having over to Netflix in a $5 billion deal that will start in January 2025. For months now, there has been some discussion with WWE in regards to the NXT Europe brand. The country has been in without an NXT brand since September 2022 when NXT UK shut down. It was a very sad day for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people as well. On the latest TKO earnings call... WWE President Nick Khan was asked about WWE's upcoming deal with Netflix and if the deal will impact the future of NXT Europe. He answered, quote, For us, a global localized product has always been a priority. We think Netflix helps us with that. If you look at the premium live event schedule for this calendar year, Perth, Australia this past weekend, Berlin, France, Riyadh, Canada, all over the world. Look for, down the road, more local stars from those markets as we expand our tryouts to international markets so we feel confident over time that will be covered and be part of the Netflix deal, end quote. Endeavor's Mark Shapiro went on to add that the Netflix deal won't stop the company from creating new content, saying, quote, Our Netflix deal doesn't preclude us from creating new content and events and programming on a global basis. We just have some first-look rights that they would have to have a window to essentially evaluate. NXT across the board, we have an opportunity to create all new material, sell it for an incremental rights fee, but they are going to be the first in line to pay that rights fee, end quote. TKO also addressed the programming future for Raw when their deal with USCA Network expires in the latter half of 2024. Russell Talk will provide further updates on Netflix's WWE, WWE's Netflix deal when they become available. Now, Here's the thing I want to say about this. Because of the fact that WWE and Netflix have now come up with this deal, um, I believe we spoke about this a little while back, that this is, I mean, they're getting into the streaming business. I mean, we already have Peacock for uh, WWE events and WWE everything um, within the company itself over on Peacock. And now with uh, Monday Night Raw moving over to Netflix uh, next year, it is going to be a very big deal. Now, we've spoken about NXT Europe before and wondering if and when NXT Europe was still going to be a thing. 
Um, me personally, I am of the opinion that hopefully they do make NXT Europe a thing because I think it would be a huge way to get European talent um, that they uh, either have released, let go, or have waiting in the wings, um, or they have working in NXT UK, uh, NXT uh, in America right now to move over to Europe. Um, I mean, talent like Gunther and Imperium probably won't be going over to NXT Europe, but, you know, stables like Gallus could go back over there. You could probably, I mean, depending on how subculture wants to get down. Uh, I know they're in Impact at the moment, uh, Damian Luna with uh, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. Um, safe to say that as currently right now, I believe they're still uh, under uh, the TNA banner at the moment. I'm not exactly sure how, that, how that's all going. But with NXT Europe hopefully on the horizon, 2025 may be that time. If not 2024, 2025, I think, would be a perfect time to get NXT Europe kind of set up. And I will try my very best to cover NXT Europe as much as possible if and when that does take place. As far as it goes right now with the deal itself, it's a great deal. I mean, looking back, I kind of, you know, my first thought initially when I heard about the Netflix deal, I was kind of shocked given the fact that, you know, wow, a network really didn't want to get down with the get down for Monday Night Raw. But, of course, that was judgmental me, and then I kind of sat back on it a little bit longer and kind of let that, you know, all the initial feelings subside and tried to basically think to myself, self, maybe this is actually a solid deal. I mean, granted, we did speak about this, and them getting into the streaming game does make sense. I mean, like I said, they already have Peacock for their PLEs. They already have, you know, Peacock for their content. And, of course, WWE WrestleMania is going to be on Peacock both nights. So it's not surprising to anyone that they would move over to Netflix. Again, I still don't watch Monday Night Raw, so it doesn't affect me as much personally. But everybody's been telling me, you got to watch Raw nowadays. I'm like, no. Nah, I'm good, <laughs> I'm good for now. But um, this is a really big deal. I think this really will help. WWE become a, a more global, localized product. If I don't know how that makes sense, words wise, but hey, we'll, we'll you know we ball regardless with it. But at least for me, um, this is a big step forward for WWE getting into the streaming game. Um, they couldn't have picked a better streaming situation with Netflix. Um, Five billion dollars is a big freaking amount of money uh, to be getting into the swing of things. So I mean, to have that, have Netflix have that in their back pocket. Is pretty darn sweet. Um, working on new content, you know, they have that ability if they want to have, and then Netflix has first dibs if whether or not they actually want to have the particular content be shown on their platform. So it's more opportunities for Netflix to be able to kind of showcase, hey, we got all this stuff. You got movies, we got TV shows, but hey, we've got WWE Monday Night Raw now every single Monday. You can catch it every freaking Monday. And then Tuesday, Monday, watch it live, or Tuesday, and the rest of the week, you can actually catch up. So the possibility is there, the doors are wide open, and we'll see how this goes uh, in terms of what WWE is going to do um, with Netflix moving forward. But it's a very good opportunity for them, and I'm very excited to see how they get down with the get down. Now, finally, our last bit of news of the week as we head over to Fightful.com. Big E open to doing more panels and hosting with WWE as he wants to stay involved. This is from Jeremy Lambert. Big E wants to keep being involved. 
Biggie has not wrestled since suffering a neck injury on the March 11, 2022 episode of WWE SmackDown when he landed wrong after a suplex from Ridge Holland. Big E has stated multiple times that he can live his daily life without issue, but he does not know when he'll return to the ring as he wants to make the best decision for his future. During his time away from the ring, Big E has remained active with WWE, taking part in NIL tryouts and being a panelist on the WrestleMania 40 kickoff event. Speaking of what culture, Big E was asked if he would be open to more hosting and speaking roles like announcing, saying, quote, I think about my time starting off in the company. By no means was I considered a good talker. It took time for me to get more comfortable and whatnot, for me to be able to stand beside Punk, Cole, Pat, all these guys who are great and natural talkers was really great. I appreciate all the positive feedback. It's something that I definitely would consider. I still want to be involved with the company, regardless of what happens with my in-ring career moving forward. I've been with the company 15 years, 15 years of my life that I've been signed with this company, a job I took on a whim, and it's been such an integral part of my life. It's definitely something I'm open to. There are really some there are some really great broadcasters. Vic has just, has done such an incredible job. It was speculated when things were getting shuffled around that maybe he gets moved up to Raw. I definitely want to make sure that I'm not in a position where I'm trying to leapfrog anyone who deserves opportunities or anyone who has been grinding at it. If it makes sense, and there are other panels and opportunities to come in, I'd love to. One of the issues is the bar was set too high. My first time coming in was Vegas with this rock thing. We have a lot of work to do to make sure everyone after is as fulfilling and enjoyable. I'm definitely opening to it. I'm definitely open to it. It means a lot to see all the positive feedback, end quote. While making the media rounds, Biggie praised Seth Rollins as a locker room leader. Of course, there's a link in the article if you want to check it out. Uh, you can find his full comments there. And FIFA will continue to update fans on Biggie's condition and potential in-ring return when more is known. And as per usual, and it's been a while since I've said this, if I use any of the quotes above, credit the original source with H last T, link to back to FIFA for the transcription because I don't feel like getting sued. Um... I do like the fact that Big E is still involved with the company, even though he is not um, actually working, like in-ring working with the company. And um, it's very surprising that, um, you know, we're seeing Big E more and more and more in terms of that. So much so that we still think, man, we just need to see him back in the ring. And and, it, and it's going to take time. I mean, neck injuries, you know, is, is a very serious thing. I mean, Edge was out for, what, nine years before he came back into the fold? In, what, 2021, 2022? So, I mean, me personally, I would want him to just take his time, get himself right, and make sure he's good, and make sure he is okay, you know, and fully 100% before getting back into a wrestling ring, taking his bumps, all that good stuff. Because, I mean, in-ring shape is a lot of bit different than just being in shape. Let's get that one thing clear and out of the way. But it's really good to see that, you know, Biggie still wants to be around and still want to work and still want to do in, you know, panel, you know, doing panels like this. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was on the WrestleMania kickoff for both nights um, in about five weeks' time. I wouldn't be surprised if he was there, you know, Chilling with you know Kayla Braxton and Sam Ro- and Sam Sam Roberts and uh, Peter Rosenberg and Booker T and doing his thing on that uh, along with CM Punk who knows in terms of commentary I wouldn't mind seeing it it would be interesting to see how he had, how he does at the booth but uh, him doing panels I mean he did great personally at least in my opinion at the WrestleMania uh, kickoff event he, I think he did really solid I mean like you said you know working with Pat and Michael Cole and CM Punk who are great talkers. It is very cool to see, you know, actually him keep up with all three of them. And um, 
it's very, very nice to see. It's always good to see, you know, Mr. Big Meaty Men slapping me himself, you know, talking, you know, talking shop with the uh, with the boys um, and all that good stuff. I appreciate it. I love it. I love to see it. I want to see more of it. I can't wait to see what he does next. I hope personally he is on the WrestleMania kickoff panel for both nights. I think he deserves to be on the WrestleMania panel for both nights, especially after what he did um, with the WrestleMania kickoff. He just, just put him on there. Let him talk his smack. All that good stuff. If he wants to do commentary, and I think there's a spot for him, you know, I don't think right now is, you know, because we got, we pretty much have all three shows kind of locked up. You know, maybe have him do, you know, NXT level ups, maybe a main event or two, if that's still a, a TV show that they, they put on, no one really cares about. But hey, we ball regardless. Um, it'll be interesting to see him then and to see what he does and to see how he gets down. Um, I couldn't be more happy about the fact that Big E still wants to be involved. And I'm sure the New Day is happy that he's back in the fold. Excuse me. Even if he's not in an in-ring capacity as of yet, I know all of us uh, who are fans of Big E, myself included, would want to see him back in full capacity in the ring. But we have to bide our time with that and make sure he's at full 100% before he makes a decision to get back into the ring, at least for now. You know, seeing his presence there is just always good. I'm a, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Big E. I had so much. I have been a big fan of his for a very long time, actually, uh, even during the early days of NXT. Um, still remember when he beat Seth Rollins to become the second NXT champion in the history of the company and then losing to Bo Dallas, which was a weird flex. But OK, it worked. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to see what Big E does going forward. I want to see him on more panels. I want to see him maybe do some commentary to see how he does. And how he works, you know, with the likes of a, you know, Michael Cole and Pat McAfee or Corey Graves and a Wade Barrett or a Vic Joseph and Booker T. Um, I don't know how he will get down with a Trick Williams intro. Uh, you let Booker T cook with that because uh, I love it. Oh, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see what he does moving forward. And I'm glad that he still wants to be involved and kind of wants to, you know, keep himself. I'm going to say keep himself relevant, but have a presence within the company. Uh, as we move forward more into 2024, put that man on the WrestleMania panel. Just do it and thank us later. I think he'll do just fine in the grand scheme of things. So that's just me. And we're going to keep it pushing like that. But that's going to be the end of the news of the week for this week's episode of the YLP podcast. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about AEW Revolution. What is going down this weekend? Yes, there's an event. Again, I completely forgot. Don't ask me why. I just did. But we're going to be talking about AEW's Revolution card. We're going to make a little bit of a preview and predictions. All that good stuff and everything else in between on the other side of episode 381 of the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode 381 of the YLP podcast, and now it is time, ladies, gentlemen, everybody in the YLP realm, y'all know what time it is. It is going to be our AEW Revolution Preview and Predictions. Y'all already know what we're about to do. We're going to discuss a little bit about AEW Revolution as best as we possibly can because God forbid we don't. Um, before we get into 
the, the crux of everything that is um, that is AEW Revolution. Um, let me start off by saying again, um, as I said previously in this episode a couple times, I completely forgot that AEW Revolution was going down this week. Um, so. <laughs> Now, we do know, we all know, and we've been knowing about this for some time now, that this will be Sting's official last show, last match as a in-ring performer. And that is what AEW has kind of been marketing as, as their main theme of the show. And if you guys are uh, listening to the Kings of the Rings podcast, which you should check it out every single Wednesday over on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and anywhere else you can see the podcast live, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Uh, in the Mountain, in the mountain uh, Time area. They actually brought up and discussed Revolution. Fred's was on the show, King Ricky and uh, Will Tear Shook. And they were discussing AEW Revolution as best as humanly possible. Um, and the way... Ricky told, uh, pretty much like broke down the stories for every matchup. I was just laughing my ass off. <laughs> Excuse me. Trying to keep up with how everything came together, uh, how some of the matches came together. Um, <laughs> I promise you, Ricky tried his best. <laughs> Ricky tried his best to kind of give us backstory on as much of the, as much of the matches as possible, but there wasn't much going on with most of the matches on the card. Uh, which is kind of crazy, but um, the big theme is this is Sting's last match ever in the history of ever um, of ever and so it, it is uh, going to be very interesting to see how all this goes down um, looking at the card some of these matches are very intriguing of course we have the three-way match for the AEW World's Championship between Samoa Joe, Hangman Page, and Swerve Strickland. We've got the AEW Women's World Championship between Timeless Tony Storm and Deanna Perrazzo. We have the Continental Crown Championship between Eddie Kingston and Brian Danielson. The AEW in-ring debut of Will Ospreay as it takes on Kenosuke Takeshita. We have FTR and the BCC going at it in a tag team match. Pause. Um... We have a good amount of matches on this card. Nine matches on the card. Um, now, watching it, now if you did watching KOTR this past Wednesday, um, it got to a point where even all three of them were, like, especially Ricky and Will, were just like, there's more to this card. And even Will was just like, what? <laughs> so even I was surprised. I didn't know how many matches they were going to have on the card for Revolution. We already knew, um, for the most part, that, and, and Ricky's right in saying this, and I think it's going to be, this entire event is overshadowed by the fact that this is Sting's last match. And I would not be surprised if this were the main event of the night. As much as I would love to see the world title be the match of the uh, main event of the evening, um, Sting, in my honest opinion, deserves top billing for this card. It's Sting. Now, for me, as a professional wrestling fan, for the better part of almost 30 years, um, minus about five or six years, depending on, you know, where I was at in life, and I wasn't into wrestling, so the better part, let's say the better part of a quarter century, if you want to do mathematics correctly. Nonetheless, um, Sting has been a very integral part of my 
pro wrestling fandom. I came into being a fan of Crow Sting um, back around 97, 98, uh, when he was going uh, head-to-head with the entire NWO. And, you know, being enamored by this guy who was just, who never spoke, who had this amazing intro. And one of my, the first matches, the one of the first matches I can remember of him was Sting versus Randy Savage for the World Heavyweight Championship at Spring Stampede 98. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time, personally, um, which, in my honest opinion, began the dissension of the entirety of the NWO when Savage defeated Sting to become the world champion after uh, Kevin Nash power, uh, Jack Knife powerbombed Sting and then draped uh, Randy Savage over um, Sting and picked up the referee and pointed to, uh, pointed to the cover that Savage was making to uh, give Savage the victory which caused uh, Hogan and the Disciple to come out, and Hogan freaking the fuck out like that's my belt. Beautiful moment uh, in Spring Stampede 98. But Sting has been a very integral part of uh, most of our fandom in our lives. Um, One of the best in-ring performers in the game, one of the greatest uh, members of professional wrestling period, and one word that really stuck with me after watching the KLTR podcast this past Wednesday was, uh, and Will Therashuk had pointed out brilliantly, was loyalty. He never went to WWE for the longest time, especially after when WCW folded in 2001 and started seeing WCW talent getting over there and how, how badly and poorly they were being treated by WWE. Um, Sting wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. And so he moved over, he went over to TNA and did some work there. Um, of course worked at AEW for, for, you know, a few years and seeing that, seeing him in AEW for the very first time and Hearing the new theme song for Sting and Tony Schiavone calling, doing the call of It's Sting. I'm not going to do it. I'm still recovering, so I don't want to destroy my throat. But uh, Pause. Um, but <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Um, Sting is just is one of my favorites ever. Um, is he top 10 dead or alive? In my list, he's there. He's, he's around there. He's top 15 for me all time. Um, one of my favorites, especially Crow Sting. And then we saw Joker Sting in TNA, which was uh, amazing to see. And then he had his run in WWE, even though he should have never faced Triple H. He should have faced Undertaker because, as Ricky pointed out, that's probably the biggest what-if in the history of professional wrestling, period. I mean, Goldberg, Austin. I mean, was Goldberg, Austin? Yeah. Um, is a big what-if that will put. But I think Sting Undertaker is the will always and forever be the biggest what if in history it's for the simple fact that that match should have been the match that happened at, um, I forget which WrestleMania it was, uh, when Sting faced Triple H, but even that was a kind of a crapshoot in, in, in of itself. I mean, you had the NWO facing DX. Um, it just didn't, it, it was a bad look. And I think even during the daytime, um, that was a, I think it was, was it 31? Cause that was the, yeah, cause that was the night. Uh, yeah, that was ISIS century. So I believe 31. But even his run in WWE was all right. It wasn't the greatest run. It wasn't like 
if we're being brutally honest, Sting Triple H was just that, the match where it was just like, ugh. You know what I mean? As, I mean, yeah, I could get behind it. But overall, Sting Undertaker was the only match we all wanted to see in the company. When Sting actually came into the company, my first thought was, if they don't do Sting Taker, they failed. WWE failed. Miserably. And which leads us to the biggest what if in WWE history, in, in professional wrestling history. What if Sting versus Undertaker actually happened at WrestleMania 31? And we actually got the night match. You know, second, you know, second to last co-main event, Sting Taker, Shriek on the Line, all that stuff. You didn't have to give Sting the victory. Personally, I still think to this day he should have never lost a streak in the first place. And to and of course the memes are out there now, given the fact that Brock Lesnar is pretty much ousted from everything WWE, is that um Roman Reigns is the one who had beaten the streak. We are not gonna talk about that because that match was absolutely horrific. But um no, for me. Sting is one of my all-time favorites. He has been an all-time favorite of mine. I am. It'll be. A, it's gonna be a big, hard time to see him. Excuse me. In his last match, it is gonna be interesting to see how he goes against the Young Bucks. It is gonna be. I know they're gonna be. I know Ric Flair is gonna be there. Uh, Kevin Nash won't be there, unfortunately, but that's okay. Um... I'm sure he's invited a good amount of people to watch his last match. And I know Sting is going to give everything he can in that matchup. Screw tag team championships, all that good stuff. I know Sting is going to put on a show. As he's always said, it's showtime. And come this Sunday, it will be showtime. I should say actual day because I don't want to get this one on. March 30th. So this Sunday. But this is what I think... I mean, granted, all, most of the matches on the card are looking pretty solid. If we're being brutally honest. And, um... I'm going to be interested to see how they work this match. How will they make Sting's last match memorable? Because when we have Ric Flair's last match, that was a yikes moment. Um, Kurt Angle's last match against Baron Corbin was a yikes moment, given the fact that he actually gave that to Baron Corbin. Weird flex, but okay moment. I mean, there could have been a lot more. We could have had Chad Gable have that happen, but, you know, we ball nonetheless. By the way, Clear American Fuji Apple Water is a drink of choice for today's episode, and it is quite divine. I'm a fan of apples. And that is about as good an apple drink as you can get without it being apple juice. So, you know, shout out to Clear American for making banging Fuji apple water. Sponsor me. I will I will literally just... It's good shit. And it's less than a buck. Absolutely wonderful. Refreshing, delicious, and, you know, keeps the palate very nice. But, um... No, we all know it's going to be overshadowed by this being Sting's last match. Um, but there's a good amount of matches on the card where I, uh, I think where this is... It's not a one-match card. And with Revolution being their big one of their big four shows, um, yeah, it's going to be overshadowed by Sting and Darby Allen, Sting's last match. But we've got more than enough on the card to kind of say, okay, this is more than just Sting's last match as a professional wrestler excuse me, in the company, 
And it is time to make our predictions. And I think y'all already know what time it is and you know exactly what theme song I'm about to play. If you don't, you're about to find out right here, right now. Yes, sir! Price is Right theme song is back in the full nine matches on the card. Last time, we went three and one with our predictions. Damn you, New Catch Republic. Um, but we borrowed going, hey, three and one of the year to start it off. I'll take it. This go around, we got nine matches on the card, and we're going to do our very best. Of course, goal's always simple. Always try to go 9-0, but always to make sure we go over 500. So that means we got to go at least 5-4 and four to make that happen. Let us go bottom to top of the card, and let us start off with the All-Star Scramble match. That was deemed uh, beforehand as a triple threat meat madness match. Why we turn this into an all-star scramble, I don't know. I feel some type of way about that. It should have just been a should have just been Archer, Wardlow, and Powerhouse Hobbs. But I guess AEW was like, you know what? We gotta give somebody a world title shot. We need a new contender. <laughs> Excuse me, somewhere down the line. So why not do this with here? Anywho, who we got in this matchup? We've got Chris Jericho, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Lance Archer, Hook, Brian Cage, Magnus. Who the fuck is Magnus? Who is dude? Oh, Luchador. Got it. Okay. And Dante Martin. Um, Winner receives a future AEW World title match. Probably sometime in March, maybe April. Uh, on the road to double or nothing. We'll see how that goes. Me personally... I'm giving it to Wardlow. I'm going to take Wardlow in this one. I think I think he's ready for a big-time match. And I'm saying this because that will lead into who I choose uh, in the AEW World title match. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all goes down in the DMs. But I'm picking Wardlow to take the All-Star Scramble match and become the number one contender for the AEW World Championship. Tag Team Action is on the card this coming Sunday. When FTRs, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, take on Blackpool Combat Club's John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. This is going to be an insane match. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be buck wild. And I'm loving it. Anything, anything FTR, Blackpool Combat Club, I'm always for. Me personally, I'm actually going to go with Blackpool Combat Club. This is going to be an insane match. And I think this will not be the last match that we see from these two in 2024. You have my word on that, depending on how everything goes with that, uh, Cash Wheeler's um, court case. But we ain't talking about that right now. But I'm going to give the nod to Moxley and Castagnoli. I think they're going to pull this one out. I think it's going to be a very, very... I'm considering this to be my Dark Horse match of the night. And it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a banger. Anytime you can put FTR up against anybody in the tag team division, you always have a good time. And a team like Moxley and Castagnoli will give them all they can handle and all that good stuff in between. It's going to be Blackpool Combat Club to get the dub uh, this Sunday night. We then head over to the AEW TNT Championship. Christian Cage, your father, my father. <laughs> Barely everybody's favorite daddy, apparently. Well, you can ask Mother Wayne how that goes down in the DMs. But um, we ain't talking about that right now. But uh, Christian Cage defending the TNT Championship against Daniel Garcia. Now, for me... Most most people would probably think, oh, you're going to pick Daniel Garcia, right? He's going to he's finally get the TNT Championship. Nay, nay, I say. I still think this has legs. I still think um, 
the Adam Copeland deal is not over just yet. Excuse me. I'm going to go with Christian Cage to retain the TNT Championship for the time being, but I will say he is on the he is on the clock in terms of holding this TNT Championship. I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be holding that title. Personally, um, whoever does beat Christian Cage, whether it be Adam Copeland or whoever else does, um, it'll be a huge victory for all parties involved. Um, hopefully, I'm hoping it's Kill Switch, personally, a.k.a. Luchasaurus. Uh, FKA, I should say, Luchasaurus. But me personally, <clears throat> I'm going to go on Christian Cage to retain the TNT Championship, but it's going to be a lot closer than the experts think. Uh, taking a page from Lee Corso. But ladies and gentlemen, but ladies and gentlemen, ladies and motherfucking gentlemen, we have the debut in-ring match for the aerial assassin, Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay. This man has been in New Japan for the past eight years, doing everything in his power to become the best in the world. And personally, between you and I, as it stands right now, Will Ospreay, to me, currently is the best in the world at what he does. You don't need a title to prove that you are the best in the world. He is the best in the world at what he does. And he is going up against one of the best choices you could have in Kanusuke Takeshita. This match is going to be an absolute grade A certified 100% banger. I don't think, at least in the past like year or so, that he has had a bad match. His last match on the Indies was against Michael Oku for the Red Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship from what I heard and from what I saw. Dave Meltzer gave it five stars. So if you're giving Will Ospreay's last match in the Indies five stars, you know you're doing something right on your way into AEW. And there is absolutely no way in hell that Will Ospreay loses his first match. I mean, if he does, I'll be shocked. But I don't think. But I think Takeshita will give him everything he can handle. But I think in the end, Will Ospreay does get the victory. It's his debut match. What kind of sense would it make for Osprey to take an L in his debut matchup in AEW? Give me Will Osprey for the victory, and then we'll see what happens moving forward. Hopefully, see, hopefully we see a little bit of United Empire in 2024 in AEW, but we'll see how that goes. I still have to go back and watch that five-on-five five, um, cage match between uh, United Empire and the Bullet Club War Dogs. So that's going to be fun to watch. I heard that was insane. Just me, though. But we move on to the Continental Crown Championship, the AEW Continental Championship, the ROH World Championship, and the NJPW Strong Openweight Championship is on. <coughs> mm. Mm. My apologies for that. That was wrong with me. But unfortunately, I don't have a mute button on this thing. So anyway, Eddie Kingston defending the Continental Crown Championship against Brian... Danielson. What a battle this is going to be. Now, stipulation states, if Danielson does lose, he has to shake Kingston's hand. This match is going to go crazy. I mean, I'm sure that most people will think Eddie Kingston will get the dub, beat Brian Danielson, make the case for being the best in the world, 
or at least being the best Triple Crown champion. I mean, I even said in the chat, he is a watered-down version of the AJPW Triple Crown Championship. Um, which may have been a dig, depending on who you ask, but I was just throwing jokes out there. It bees what it bees, it is what it is. But, um, I would love nothing more to see Eddie Kingston beat Brian Nelson and finally shake the man's hand. And I think that's what's going to happen um, this coming Sunday. I think Kingston is going to beat Danielson in a fucking crazy match. And Danielson will finally be forced to shake Kingston's hand. And if Brian Danielson does win it, I mean, for the ROH vibes, it would make sense. But I think Kingston right now is still on the run. Even, you know, even Jesse Owens going to make a run in this classic. To quote uh, Battle Rapper JC. But I'm going to give Kingston the victory here. Retaining the Continental Crown Championship. And finally shaking Kingston's hand. We then move on to the AEW Women's World Championship. Timeless Tony Storm taking on Diana Perrazzo. Honestly, I'm quite excited for this matchup. Um, Perrazzo moving over from uh, TNA to head over to AEW. Finally making her name on there. But I think currently right now, Tony Storm is on a hell of a run. Especially with the Timeless gimmick. This gimmick has probably catapulted her to heights that I don't think even she knew she was going to reach. Mariah May, um, definitely doing, you know, definitely doing wonders for her character on there. Luther, um, doing wonders for his character as the, uh, the butler of Timeless Tony Storm. But this is a run that I don't think Tony Storm ever knew was going to be big. And I think right now, even though I'm sure some will think Peraza will get the victory. <laughs> excuse me. You got to give this to Tony Storm right now because there's only one match and only one person that will be taking that title from AEW from the AEW Women's World Champion Tony Storm. That person is Mercedes Monet whenever she decides to show up at AEW probably in Boston when they uh, they do AEW Big Business later on this year. Tony Storm gets the victory. I mean the feud itself is not bad. I have liked what they have done um, in terms of you know having them stand together. Um, Tiny Storm, uh, Tony Storm in the black and white with Deanna Peraza with the color. It was a very, very nice look. Very, very nice uh, graphic there for AEW to do, which, from what I heard on KOTR, they actually did on the fly, which was actually very, very dope. I think it was a very, very cool match. Um, hopefully, they do this in black and white. I think it would be interesting to see how they do this in black and white. They probably won't, though, but we'll see how it goes uh, in terms of this matchup. But, yeah, I'm going to give Tony Storm the victory here. Um, cause we're, I, I think we're waiting for Mercedes Monet versus Tony Storm for the AEW Women's World Championship. We then go, we'll go to the AEW International Championship first before we go to the two main matches on the card. Orange Cassidy versus Roderick Strong for the AEW International, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> water. AEW International Championship. Orange Cassidy defending against Roderick Strong. Now, mind you, <clears throat> the International Championship was designed for AEW, whoever holds it, to be pretty much the ambassador of everything international. And I couldn't think of a better candidate for Orange Cassidy than Orange Cassidy to be the International Champion. I don't think he's losing this matchup anytime soon. I don't think he's losing that title anytime soon. That's just me personally. I'm sure Roddy would. I'm sure they would maybe think about giving them nods to Roddy. 
So that way the Undisputed Kingdom can start collecting some belts, but I don't think that's that time yet. I think right now Orange Cassidy is a hot hand. He's the guy. He is over. We love him. And But hopefully, somewhere down the line, he actually starts using actual kicks instead of the fake kicks. I think that will be a solid development in his character, taking it more serious. But we'll see. But yeah, I'm going to go with Cassidy to retain the AEW International Championship. I think it's going to be a better match than people expect it to be. But um, yeah, I, I, I see Cassidy retaining here. But I think Strong will give him a, a damn good effort. I'm sure Taven and Bennett will get involved in some way, shape, or form. We then head over to one of the feature bouts of the evening. Samoa Joe defending the AEW World Championship against Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. One moment. Sorry about that. Didn't want to blow my nose as we are doing a recording here. But let's not be foolish here. But this triple threat match, this three-way dance, whatever you want to call it, it's probably going to be one of the better matches of the night, for sure, without question. I'm excited for it, as well you should be as well. Me personally, either one of these three men could walk out with the world championship and I wouldn't even be mad at it. Wouldn't even be mad in the slightest. Neither would you, if we're being honest with ourselves and each other, of course. Um... You can make a case for Hangman to win it. You can make it the case for Swerve to win it. But right now, I think it's still a little early in the reign of Samoa Joe for him to lose it right now. And because I really want to see Samoa Joe versus Wardlow. Um, I'm going to go with Samoa Joe to win this. And I still think in 2024, I think Swerve Strickland will become AEW World Champion. I think he is right there. And there's a lot of people on you know, social media that are clamoring. Excuse me. My apologies. I know it's not uh, very gentleman-like to be uh, coughing on mucus during the recording, but hey, we just got to do what we've got to deal with right now. It bees what it bees. It is what it is. But I think right now it's still a little bit early in the reign of Samoa Joe for him to lose this championship. I think this triple threat match is going to be bonkers. I think this is going to be an insane matchup. Um... Of course, anytime you got Storm Strickland on the card, you know Prince Nana's going to be behind him doing the Nana dance. I will be doing the Nana dance. If you don't know the Nana dance, go look it up and do the Nana dance. Because you swerve when you drive. But the Nana dance is the Nana dance. Everybody does the Nana dance. If you don't do the Nana dance, I don't know what you're doing with your life. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very simple dance, you know? You know, it's like, you, you know, practicing like you're driving in your car, just you know, swerve when you drive. You know, all that stuff, get hype and whatnot. It is a very, very simple dance to learn. I promise you. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be, I think this is going to be one of the highlights of the night. I'm very excited for this matchup. But Samoa Joe, to me personally, retains the AEW World Championship by hook, by crook, no matter how he gets the job done. I think he'll pin Adam Page because I don't think Swerve, I think Swerve Strickland right now is still a hot hand. But Samoa Joe retains. And we should be fine with that because it's still early in the reign of Samoa Joe. Now, let us get into the main event. For a lot of us, for 
for a lot of us, they're going to be We're going to be very, very, it's going to be a very, very hard moment to take in. I still remember the first night he actually showed up in AEW. <coughs> Excuse me, see the theme song. And we all went crazy. I was still covering Dynamite at the time, personally. And to see this moment happen, to see Tony Schiavone saying it's Sting for the first time in a very long time. And I remember this <clears throat> song being so good. So much so that I actually played in the intro. Of uh, this part of the episode. <coughs> I could not be pro more proud of what Sting and Darby Allen have done. I could not be more proud of what Sting is going to be doing on Sunday. And after all is said and done, I'm pick I mean, I'm picking the Young Bucks to win, of course, because it just makes sense. I mean, it's Sting's last match, and usually. If you're if you're an old school fan like myself, as the saying goes, you always go out on your back. Sting will take the pin. Doesn't matter which Jackson brother does it. Young Bucks will become the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. But I know Sting will give everything that he has to ensure that we get at least one great final match out of Sting. It will be an honor for all of us to enjoy this. It is an. It will be an honor for all of us to appreciate what he has done for his career that has spanned decades. And again, we cannot. We should be blessed to have had a talent like Sting in our lives for as long as he has been in the business. And I'm sure there will be thank you staying chance after the match is over. I'm sure there will be, you know, tears in the crowd. I'm sure Sting will get a standing ovation. I'm sure the Young Bucks will, you know, allow him to have his moment in the sun like it, like they should. I'm sure the broadcast will end with Sting, you know, in the ring. Um, hopefully no funny business, but if they decide to have Darby Allen turn on Sting, that would be absolutely hilarious, at least for me on my end. Um, just because. But, um, for me, for all of us, Sting will have a lasting effect on this industry the very second that three count is made. We already know the outcome of this match. We know the Young Bucks are going to take the titles away from Sting and Darby Allen. That's perfectly fine. I mean, one last championship run, a well-deserved championship run. But in the grand scheme of things, regardless if the Young Bucks become the AEW champions, AEW champions, and they will, <coughs> excuse me, what will matter the most is that we never forget the career of Sting. 
What a career this man has had. 30 some odd years in the business. And we should all be thankful for this night that we are about to enjoy. Because it is just that kind of show. And as we always know, at least when it comes to Sting and when it comes to big matches like this, it will always be showtime. That's going to conclude my preview and predictions for AEW Revolution. Now, usually this would conclude the show, but we got a little bit more to go before we head out for the week. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, of course, what went down this past Saturday at Elimination Chamber in Perth, Australia, on the other side of episode 381 of the YLP Podcast. We'll be right back. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the main eventual segment of episode 381 of the YLP podcast. It is time to discuss what went down at the last PLE for WrestleMania 40, that being Elimination Chamber, over in Perth, Australia. And for those of you who actually watched it at 5 o'clock in the morning. I commend you because y'all are crazy and I respect the hustle. Now, Elimination Chamber to me was definitely kind of... I wouldn't say mid because it definitely wasn't a mid show. It was a solid show across the board, at least in my personal opinion. Um, the Elimination Chamber win- winners to me were predictable, but they were the right calls on both sides for the men's and the women's chamber with Becky Lynch and Drew McIntyre winning their respective matches (coughs) Hmm. excuse me and uh, having their tickets punched for Wrestlemania 40 now Becky Lynch will start off with the women's world championship match um, a solid matchup. Um, with the right again, the right person winning the matchup. Um, and we kind of had a bit of foreshadowing back at the WrestleMania 40 kickoff event uh, last month. And with uh, Lynch and Ripley kind of cutting a promo with each other, and it kind of and I, and I looked at it and I immediately thought to myself, "That is your." Women's World Championship match at WrestleMania 40. Again, it's not surprising. <clears throat> Excuse me. But no one should be surprised that Becky Lynch won this matchup. I'm sure Sonny, so there were some people out there who were a little bit butthurt about the fact that Liv Morgan didn't win it. And if we're being brutally honest, it isn't Liv Morgan's time. She just came back into the fold at Royal Rumble. I believe she was gone for three months. But the right call was for Becky Lynch to win this matchup. It made sense for Becky Lynch to win this match. Um, Because that's your money match for the Raw side of the Women's Championship scene here in WWE. 
I am pleased with the match itself. Um, with Naomi, with Stratton, with Raquel Rodriguez, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, and Becky Lynch. Um, not the best women's chamber match I've ever seen, but a good, good matchup nonetheless. I will say though, Tiffany Stratton in her debut chamber match really showed up and showed out, and that was one of the, one of the things I was worried about. Um, would Stratton be able to, especially with the na names like Belair and Lynch and Naomi? Would she be able to actually live up to the hype? And I think that was a, a big question, at least for me, going into this matchup. So would Tiffany Stratton be able to handle it? And she did her damnedest. And she did a very solid job in, the, in that match. And if you're a fan of Tiffany Stratton, as I am, personally... Um, I would say personally, she is she was my most improved wrestler for 2023. If I was doing the YLP Podcast Awards, um, she would have gotten the, at least on the women's side the most improved women's wrestler of 2023. She had an amazing 2023. Ran was former NXT Women's Champion, had a great one with the championship. Really grew into her character, and I know that, I'm sure there was comparisons to Charlotte and all that stuff, but I mean, given the fact that she does have a gymnastics background, it does help the cause. Also, Ludwig Kaiser, I salute you for, you know, getting that Riz on him. Feel me? But um, it's very wonderful to see a talent like Tiffany Stratton who come who came up just this past week, like a couple weeks ago, actually. I think she signed with uh she came up, she got called up, and really put on a solid performance, lasting twenty-two minutes and fifty-five seconds in the in the chamber. Raquel Rodriguez had actually a decent performance. Um, I enjoy, I enjoyed what you know her coming back into the fold, even though she was dealing with uh, MCAS flares. Um, going into the matchup, uh, Belair was the uh, wild card in this matchup. Morgan really wasn't a factor to me personally. <coughs> Excuse me, in this matchup, Belair though was the wild card because, it, in my opinion, it was, it was going to be either her or uh, Becky Lynch winning this matchup, and Belair personally was thinking, like, how the heck am I going to get to WrestleMania? This was her one big shot to get into the main event, one of the main, one of the big top matches for WrestleMania 40. And then she got eliminated by Liv Morgan uh, on a school on a schoolgirl pin. Soon after, Becky Lynch hits the manhandle slam, and Becky Lynch becomes the number one contender for the Women's World Championship. Again, the right call was made. I enjoyed this match. There were plenty of good spots in this matchup. Uh, Stratton jumping off the top of the chain, uh, chamber pods, hitting a Swanton on, uh, I believe, four or five people, well, four people in that in that spot. Uh, Rodriguez and Morgan having a bit of a spat in the matchup. That was very nice. Uh, Stratton pinning Naomi was a surprise uh, to me personally. Um, Rodriguez getting uh, hit with the KOD was a very nice feat. Uh, shout out to Bianca Belair for that one. Liv Morgan actually got the most eliminations with two. Um, pinning Stratton and then pinning Belair uh, towards the end of the matchup. But with this matchup, it was always going to be Becky Lynch. It was always going to be Becky Lynch. And that is your money match. If it wasn't going to, you know, got Eos Guy and Bailey, we already knew that was going to be going down. But we had a feeling, and you should have had a feeling, that it was going to be Lynch versus Ripley at WrestleMania 40. It was the best match that WWE could conjure up 
in this moment. As much as I would want to see Belair versus Ripley, I don't think we're there yet. I think Belair is still getting into a little bit of a heel turn. So we're going to be waiting to see that go down. But as far as it goes with the... Now that we know that it's going to be Lynch versus Ripley, I think looking at the grand scheme of things on the on the ladies' side of WWE, we have two of the best women's title matches that we've had in some time. And this is me personally. Lynch versus Ripley and Sky versus Bailey. Sky versus Bailey already has a solid story going into it. Lynch versus Ripley is just a money match. And it's going to be a really good match. And it's going to be very hard to predict this matchup, personally. Um, luckily, we got five weeks before that goes down. So we have plenty of time to see how things develop between Lynch and Ripley between now and WrestleMania 40. But the right woman won. In the grand scheme of things, and Lich versus Ripley is going to be a hell of a matchup come WrestleMania 40. On the other side of things, on the men's side, um, McIntyre, Lashley, Kevin Owens, LA Knight, yeah, Logan Paul and Randy Orton. Solid match across the board, I think. McIntyre winning was also the right call. If it wasn't going to be CM Punk, I think the only other person that could have won that matchup was Drew McIntyre. If we're being brutally honest. And we know the original plans for WrestleMania 40 in terms of the World Heavyweight Championship match was going to be Punk versus Rollins. <coughs> Excuse me. In and of itself, that's a money match. And I'm sure somewhere down the line in 2024, we're going to get Punk versus Rollins. Um, but Drew McIntyre, to me, if it wasn't going to be Punk, it was going to be Drew McIntyre taking this. There was no other person in the match that I saw. That would be part of this match. That would be in the World Heavyweight Championship match against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. But Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins is the best match they can conjure up. Sans CM Punk. I think it only made sense for Drew McIntyre to win this. And given the given the state right now, and there's so many avenues that you can go with this. Because you have McIntyre versus Rollins, but you also have Damian Priest holding the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase. And me personally, where it's where I stand right now in all of this is that if McIntyre does beat Rollins at Mania, do not be surprised if we see Priest cash in on McIntyre to become the World Heavyweight Champion and have Drew McIntyre chase Priest for the championship. <coughs> My apologies. Sorry. So, it would only make sense for McIntyre to have won this. This match was actually really good. To me, at least. I mean, you started off with Lashley and LA Knight. Yeah. Both men got uh, eliminated by Drew McIntyre. And he actually had um, three eliminations in this matchup. Thanks to Logan Paul uh, hitting uh, Roy Randy Orton with the uh, brass knuckles, knocking him out, then leading into a Claymore to, leading him, to him getting the victory. 36 minutes and 55 seconds. Very good match. Very solid match. Um, <clears throat> Owens Owens and Paul, of course, rekindling their rivalry. Um, Knight getting uh, ousted by AJ, uh, getting ousted by the, uh, from the match from uh, Drew McIntyre after AJ Styles um, pretty much attacked him after uh, Bobby Lashley was eliminated three uh, almost three minutes later uh, in the matchup after Lashley got eliminated by Drew. Which I thought was a really big surprise, but uh, I saw no point in Bobby Lashley actually um, 
winning this match. And that's the and that's the big thing too. It's just like I knew Lashley wasn't gonna win this matchup. So him going out first didn't really bother me that much. Um Styles attacking Knight made sense. Um, especially if plans are for Styles versus Knight to take place at WrestleMania. I'm sure I know the uh, guys that go over at KOTR are not too fond of that. I'm kind of fond of it more. Um, I'm sure because I would have loved to see LA Knight versus Logan Paul for the United States Championship. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I'm seeing reports of a multi-man match possibly. Uh, Styles, Knight, Owens, Paul, and Orton for the U.S. Championship. Uh, I've heard rumblings of Paul versus Orton for the United States Championship at Mania, given the fact that Paul knocked out Orton. There's many avenues they can go down in terms of the U.S. Championship. I mean, people got, th- I mean, motherfuckers got thrown through pods. And this was just a fun chamber match. Like I said, this is not the greatest men's chamber match of all time. That will always be the original to me when Shawn Michaels became the World Heavyweight Champion that night in the brown pants, which still is a weird flex, but we, but okay, nonetheless. The way I see it, excuse me, there are many avenues that WWE can go down in terms of storyline for this from this matchup. That's just me, though. That's the biggest thing about the fact that, you know, Drew McIntyre facing Seth Rollins at Mania. We got that uh, cleared up. Um, I could see a multi-man match for the United States Championship. Ladder match possibilities are there with Styles Knight, Owens Knight, yeah, and uh, Logan Paul. Styles Knight, Owens, Logan Paul, and Randy Orton. You can do. You can make that a ladder match. That would be a great matchup if you want to go that with the multi-man. Um, because I, I don't know why I've heard reports about Gunther defending in a ladder match, but that makes no sense. Um, I've also heard rumblings of Sami Zayn facing Gunther at WrestleMania, which would be awesome. I think that would be a cool way for uh, Zayn to kind of get kind of get picked back up. And giving the fact that uh, now there's reports of Sami Zayn actually being considered possibly for world title consideration, I think that would be pretty awesome as well. That's just me, though. But, um, as I said in the beginning of this whole thing, McIntyre and Lynch were the proper winners for this match. The right two people won. I will. There will be no dispute from me um, about this whole thing. I think both. I think WWE got it right with both of them. I think we get a good amount of possibilities um, for the ladies' matches at WrestleMania. Um, I'm hearing rumblings of Belair possibly versus Stratton. That would be an interesting match to see. I don't know what you do with Morgan Naomi and Raquel Rodriguez. Um, I'm not sure what you do with Bobby Lashley, but there's a lot of opportunities on the men's side to make things happen, especially if you want to go Styles versus Knight or if you want to go a multi-man match for the United States Championship. You can go that route. You can go Paul versus Orton. That would be an interesting matchup at WrestleMania 40. We'll see how that goes. (coughs) Again, my apologies. Again, recovering from the last bits of sickness. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is no, you're not, you're not going to hear any dispute from me in terms of the right winners for the elimination chamber matches. McIntyre deserved to win that match. Lynch deserved to win that match. And now we're going to get two solid matchups in McIntyre versus Rollins and Lynch versus Ripley at WrestleMania 40. Uh, Ripley versus Lynch night one, McIntyre Rollins night one would be great. It's going to be interesting to see how we uh, build this up. But yeah, the right two people won in this case. 
And if you say different, I, I respect your opinion, but I think in this case, the right two people won these chamber matches. Getting into the um, Tag Team Championship matchup for a moment. Um, that was the one I got incorrect, unfortunately. Um, the New Catch Republic of Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate put on a banger of a performance against the Judgment Days, Balor, and Priest. I mean, this was tag team wrestling. This is what tag team wrestling needs to be in 2024 and beyond in WWE. Damn near 20 minutes. And we got sensational tag team wrestling. I was perfectly happy with this matchup. Um, in the end, of course, Judgment Day did get the victory uh, after Priest did a double chokes, double south of heaven, uh, followed by uh, a coup de gras from Finn Balor onto Pete Dunne, if I'm not mistaken, getting the pin and retaining the tag team championships. <laughs> but it did show that the New Catch Republic, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate, are definitely here to stay, especially after winning the Tag Team Championship Contender Series, beating Pretty Deadly, LWO, and LDF to face then DIY um, for the Tag Team, for the right to face um, Judgment Day at WrestleMania, uh, to, to go on to WrestleMania as the Tag Team Champions. Now, the tag team division is, is starting to get heated up. And it would make sense for Judgment Day to lose the tag titles at WrestleMania. Just as they as the Usos did um, against Owens and Zayn, losing the tag team championships uh, at WrestleMania and becoming the uh, undisputed tag team champions, uh, that being Zayn and Owens. But yeah, the New Catch Republic, man. Definitely a team to watch out for going forward. And these are two guys in Bate and Dunn who we've wanted to see for quite some time. And who we have wanted to see in WWE ring, whether it be against each other or in tandem. And they are going to be, I think they're going to be a mainstay in the tag team division for the time being. I still have the hopes um, after WrestleMania 40 that WWE decides to just do one set of belts. And to just have the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship, but have it float across both shows with the tag team division floating across both shows. Because that just honestly makes all the sense in the world. Just me, just my opinion. But it's this showcase this match showcased what tag team wrestling could be in 2024. And if you know the judgment day. Go on to WrestleMania. I think the only team they need to be facing at WrestleMania would be DIY. Yeah, I said it. What's happening? Yeah, I think DIY should be the team to defeat Judgment Day and become the undisputed tag team champions at WrestleMania. You've got five weeks to build it. You got more than enough time to build up DIY as this babyface tag team that all the fans love and adore. Same way you did it with their run in NXT when they were trying to chase the revival, aka FTR. Uh, for the NXT Tag Team Championships. What a build that was, by the way. Also, what a match that was, by the way. Take over Toronto. Banger! Um, but I think DIY should be the team to defeat the, the Judgment Day. And bring a proper sense of what tag team wrestling is. Because then you can build up to Gargano Champa on the main roster. Oh, wait! I would be excited for that. My God. You give me Gargano Champa in the main roster? That feud? Crazy. But that's how I think with what tag, that's what tag team wrestling should be. I don't need a five star classic. I just need a solid banger of match. 
And if that's what WWE is going to give us going forward in 2024 with tag team wrestling, I need more of that. I need more of that on the buffet. I need more plates of that. But, like I said, I would love to see DIY be the team to defeat the Judgment Day, win the Undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships, and have a new set of belts created, one set, not two, and have them just defend it across both shows. I think that would help the Tag Team Division a lot. I think that would actually showcase the Tag Team Division a lot more and give tag teams an opportunities like Pretty Deadly, like LWO, like LD, uh, LDF, Imperium. Um, what, a, what a few DIY versus Imperium would be. For the uh, Tag Team Championships. That would be amazing to see. That would be fantastic to see. Them versus Imperium. Them versus The New Day. Them versus The Creed Brothers. Dead, pretty Deadly. Latino World Order. Legato Del Fantasma. There's plenty of tag teams you have now. That's eight tag teams right there. That you can really kind of build a foundation off of. Again, you got New Day. Imperium. The Creed Brothers. DIY. LDF. LWO. Pretty Deadly. And The New Catch Republic. That's pretty darn good to me, if you ask me. That's a solid eight. And WWE hasn't ever really had a solid tag team division in a long time. Makeshift tag teams do not make tag team divisions. <coughs> That's just my opinion. But I think moving forward, if this is what tag team wrestling is going to be in WWE, moving forward, give me more of that. Give me a bit more of that. But I would love to see DIY be the ones to beat the Judgment Day and become the new tag team champions Coming out of WrestleMania 40. But we will end today's episode discussing the hometown favorite, Rhea Ripley. Mommy. Everybody's favorite. Going into a certified home game in Australia. Going up against Nia Jax. And as much shade as I throw on Nia Jax. And it's been documented. I can't go back. I can't change it. And I think I agree with Ricky on this one. This may have been Nia Jax's best performance of her career in WWE. And it doesn't pain me to say it. It doesn't make me want to throw shit. But this, let's, let's be brutally honest. She played the monster heel very well. And come to find out, she was actually born in Australia. Weird flex, right? She was actually born in Australia. Now, I'm not going to really talk about too much of the Grayson Waller effect because it was the Grayson Waller effect and that was hilarious and all that good stuff. Um, you know, Cody Rhodes calling out The Rock and, you know, Shane, you know, Seth Rollins wanted to be the shield for Cody Rhodes. And I'm like, bro, you got a World Heavyweight title match to worry about. Worry about that. Excuse me. And then, of course, Austin Theory got wrecked and then Grayson Waller was just like, nah, fam, I'm good. Let, you know, handle your biz. But to me, Rhea Ripley... The first time in her in uh, her run as champion, she was the one getting dominated. Pause. Um, by Nia Jax, and she really had to fight her way back to win, retain the championship. I mean, the entire matchup, she was trying to hit Riptide, didn't work. But you could tell the entirety of Australia was behind her. The entire country and continent of Australia was behind Rhea Ripley, whether they were in the building in Perth. Or whether they were watching it at the, uh, on telly at the crib. This was Rhea Ripley's finest hour. There was, and I said it last week, and I said it a couple weeks ago. There was no way in hell WWE was going to give that championship to Nia Jax. And have Jax versus Ripley at WrestleMania. Not a money match to me. For all that it's worth. It is not a money match to me. As much as I know, some people would be like, oh, I wanted to do 
It should be a triple threat, not judgment. No. Your money match is Rhea Ripley versus... Oh, no, I was like Nia Jax. Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch. Nia Jax was just in the way. A stepping stone we had to get, you know, had to get past to get to Ripley versus Lynch. But it's not... But we will not discount what Jax did in that in her performance against Rhea Ripley. Again, I, I am right with Ricky in saying that that was probably the best match she has ever had in WWE, NXT or otherwise. This was her fight. This was Jax's finest hour. This was Nia Jax's finest hour. She played the monster here role very well, dominating for most of the matchup. But we all knew in the end that Rhea Ripley was going to come out and take the victory. She had to fight back. She had to literally fight back. She was down on the cards. And when Ripley finally hit Riptide, Australia went bonkers. This was a very solid Women's World Championship match. I was very impressed. You know, because usually when you think of a matchup like this being the main event, you know, certified home game for Ripley, all that stuff. Let's make sure we give Nia Jax her flowers on this one. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of Nia Jax. I probably never will be. But in a case like this, in a matchup like this, against a talent like Rhea Ripley, Nia Jax showed up and showed out. Even saying, even going into the event with the Elimination Chamber kickoff. She even said, of course, I was born in Australia, but I was glad when my parents moved me to San Diego. Great way to get herself over as a heel. Because you already knew Ripley was going to be the babyface. Quote, unquote, in this matchup. <coughs> the hometown favorite. <clears throat> you know, Australia expects her to win. I expected her to win. She won. But that's not to say Nia Jax didn't put on her finest performance. And gave Ripley everything she could handle. And at points in the matchup, it looked like Jax was going to... It looked like I really thought they were really going to have... Jax become the women's world champion. They got me. They worked me a little bit. I got worked. It's rare, but I got worked. But um, it was definitely a solid women's world championship match. I think it was definitely a worthy main event. Um, when they announced this as the main event, I was kind of skeptical just a tad, um, given the fact that we did have the chamber matches, we did have the tag team championship match. But this was worthy of being the main event. Ripley deserved this. This was Rip. This was this was Ripley's. This was Ripley's house. We got Swerve's house, but in Perth, Australia, it's Ripley's house. And I was very happy with the fact. It didn't even and shout out one time to Indy Hartwell too. She was of course in the undercard, um, the pre-show with Kenneth Lorray against the Kubuki Warriors in the women's uh, women's uh, World Tag Team Championship match in a losing effort, unfortunately. But uh, even Indy showed up. Also, fun fact: Grayson Waller was a high school history teacher prior to become a professional wrestler. Which I thought was pretty. Which I thought was an interesting flex. Um, he actually had the mustache, um, not the Vince McMahon version, but he had a, a solid porn stash. Um, glad he doesn't have that anymore. It looks bad on him. It looks terrible. Um, as a person with facial hair, I make it work. Um, I am, you know, I do shave my head bald, so I gotta add something a little, you know, cut. And of course, if I didn't have facial hair, it would just be ugly. Uh, and I got a weird chin. Got that from my dad. But um, no, this was definitely. A show worthy of being seen. Um, it's definitely worth a rewatch, in my honest opinion. I would definitely go back and watch it. 
Um, personally, just for the, especially for the chamber match. Honestly, I watched the entire thing, minus the pre-show because I don't really get into pre-show matches like that personally anymore. Um, but for what we got out of Elimination Chamber, I think it was worthy of being considered probably one of the hopefully. I would consider one of the better B-level pay-per-views, or PLEs, whatever you would call it, of 2024 for WWE. I think this was a very worthy B-level show. I think this made all the sense in the world to have um, um, as the final stop, technically, before we got to WrestleMania 40. And from here on out, it's going to be smooth sailing. We are five weeks away. So at this point, it's game on. We have no more PLEs. We have nothing to worry about for the remainder of March. Um... I'm sure we'll get some interesting, you know, builds along the way to get to to round out the card for both nights of WrestleMania 40. And I think, you know, this will be getting a better grade than I think I once initially thought. So let's get into the particulars now of our, and wrap up a nice pretty little bow on top for our Elimination Chamber review. Of course, as we always do, we have four little categories there. Of course, we have the best and the worst matches of the night. Our Elimination Chamber MVP, and of course, the most important one, the final grade of Elimination Chamber. We'll start off with the worst. And surprisingly, there isn't really... All four matches, I think, actually were solid. Which is very surprising to me, especially given it's only a four-match card. Now, this will probably be a first in the history of the YLP podcast. And it'll probably never happen again. This will not happen again in the year 2024 or beyond. Who knows? <clears throat> but um, when you look at the match card and then you look to see, look at the matches themselves, there isn't a match on this card, given it was only four matches on the card, so not a lot to choose from. But I don't think any of these matches are worthy of being recognized as the worst match of the night. I mean, the Tag Team Championship was amazing. The Women's World Championship, I think, was solid across the board, especially did what it needed to do. The Women's Chamber match was pretty damn solid, personally, in my opinion. I'm sure there's some detractors in that. But, and the Men's Chamber match was just as, was pretty damn good. So for the first time in the history of the YLP podcast, there is not an award for the worst match of the night. Every match pretty much did exactly what it needed to do. They were fun to watch. They were enjoyable. I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed rooting for whoever I felt wanted to win. Um, I was just very happy with the result for all four matches. So, there will be no award for worst match of the night. It may never happen again. Who knows? But we'll see. But as of right now, it's an N slash A for worst match of the night. But there is a best match of the night. And it is not Rhea Ripley versus Nia Jax. It is not the tag team championship between New Catch Republic and uh, the Judgment Day, which leaves us with the chamber matches to go to consider. Looking at it objectively, when you honestly look at both matches, the women's match was pretty damn solid. We got the result that we wanted. Um, a couple surprises along the way. And across the board, if it's if we're really looking at it the way we need to, my best match of the night would be given to the men's elimination chamber match. I think this one, albeit predictable, I think was the better of the two chamber matches. 
I would have wanted to, wanted to see a little bit more out of the women's match personally, but I know given the fact that the men's chamber match was going to do, they were going to do a little bit more um, in terms of the match itself. I give the nod to the men's chamber. Um, a lot of crash and burns, a lot of really good spots. I, I think honest and honestly, if you think about it, there was a lot more storylines and more questions to be answered from coming out of the men's chamber match than there were coming out of the women's. Women's match was pretty much clear cut. Whoever won this was going to WrestleMania to face Ripley. There was really nothing, like no interference, no one coming in the chamber to interfere, anything of that nature. Nothing of the nothing of the like. But we did see Styles coming into the cage and you know elim- helping eliminate uh, L.A. Knight, Logan Paul knocking out Randy Orton with the brass knucks, leading to Drew McIntyre hitting the Claymore and becoming the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. There's a lot more that came out of it in the men's chamber than there was for the women's chamber. And that's why I'm going to give the nod to the men's elimination chamber match as my match of the night. Which leads us to the MVP of elimination chamber. It is rare in the YLP podcast that I give the nod to someone other than a wrestler. It's very rare. You know what I mean? It's very rare that I give a nod. MVP. But I've done it a few times before in the history of this podcast. And I think this go around, the flowers will be given to the city of Perth, Australia. This is only one of the, like, it's only a handful of times that I've given an entire city their flowers. In terms of MVP. I've done it before with Toronto for TakeOver. And it's TakeOver? And I believe I've done it a couple more times in the, in the years following that. But in the grand scheme of things, Perth, Australia, you showed up and you showed the fuck out. And you showed the world why Elimination Chamber deserved to be in Perth, Australia. Take Rhea Ripley out of the equation. But Auss- the Aussies were absolutely hyped. So much so they had to black out a portion of the show... Because the entire front row behind commentary was giving Dominic Mysterio the middle finger. Pure, epic brilliance. Dare I say. I, have, I could not be more prouder as a fan uh, to see Dominic Mysterio get the, the double bird from the fans. It was a dope moment. I wish they kept that in, but I can understand why they did it. Because, you know, reasons. But, you know... Some people will probably say Dominic Mysterio just gets the nod because he got middle fingered out by uh, Perth. But the city of Perth, I commend you. I commend y'all 100%. Y'all did y'all thing. I cannot be more proud of y'all for showing up and showing out. Y'all did it. Y'all did that. And I'm very happy y'all did that because it made that show so much better to watch. It made that show so much better. I mean, y'all showed up for Indy Hartwell, y'all showed up for Grayson Waller, y'all showed up for Rhea Ripley, and y'all gave the world a reason to enjoy Elimination Chamber. So to Perth, Australia, you get my nod for the MVP of Elimination Chamber. Y'all should be proud of yourselves, 100%. Which leads to the final grade. Again, as far as I know, there will never be an A-plus show. More than likely the history of this of this show. Um... I've never given one. Probably never will give one. Because A plus to me has to be absolutely perfect. 
You have to be absolutely perfect. Closest will be WrestleMania 17. Closest match would be Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker. WrestleMania 25. But when you're talking about an entire show, it is it is a it will never like the thought of having an A plus show probably will never take place. Remains to be seen, but we'll figure it out. But in the overall grand scheme of things, when you're looking at this card up and down, this was a very, very good show. This is a very good final stop show for WrestleMania 40. They did exactly what they needed to do on the show. They furthered storylines, especially for the Women's World Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship. We got um, a little bit more clarity on what possibly could happen with Logan Paul. Um, Styles versus Knight might be a possibility. Uh, Paul versus Orton is a possibility. Overall, I'm going to give this show a solid B+. I know as of late, I mean, I could have given it A-100%, but I think what, what we got out of this show, B+, I think is a solid place to have this grade for. It could have been better. Always room for improvement. But with everything that happened at Elimination Chamber, B-plus is where I stand. It took, I mean, initially it was, a, it was a definite A for me, but when I kind of look back at it, there were some things that I would have loved to see more from the Women's Chamber match. Um, and I think that's kind of hindered, that's kind of pushed it down a couple grades. B-plus is where I'm leaving it at. Damn good show. Worth the rewatch. Um, if you want to see the Chamber matches again, damn good show. Well done, WWE. And now we look towards the last five weeks of WrestleMania build. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude episode 381 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, as we always do, we'll close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 382 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. That's going to be it for episode 381 of the YLP Podcast. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast, do not hesitate to follow me on my social media over at, over on, I should say, Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. You can find me over on Twitter at YL Perspective. That's capital YLP Perspective. You can find me on all those. Also, uh, make sure you check out the family of Wrestle Addict Radio Podcast. Of course, Brace for Impact Podcast every single Tuesday. The Kings of the Rings Podcast live on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Know your time zones. Know your math. Uh, audio version drops every single Thursday. Friday, we get into the Fretzel Mania podcast. At his, he is now going into the Attitude Era, my favorite era of professional wrestling. And I'm sure it's going to be a grand old time. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he is talking about Mae Young and Mark Henry and the hand. 
Yeah. Anywho, um, but yeah, make sure you check out all those podcasts. And of course, you got me every single Saturday on the YLP podcast. Kick it off your weekend in proper YLP fashion, as always, because it's Wrestle Life Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Of course, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions about today's episode or any of the other 380 episodes of the YLP podcast, do not hesitate to hit your boy up with a nice little voice message over at podcasters.spotify.com slash perspective, or you can shoot me a nice little email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. I believe I've uh, taken care of my uh, particulars for this week, and I believe I'm looking at the judges just to make sure to get a thumbs up, and we are good. So what is on the docket for next week's episode? Well, I'm glad you asked. Personally, I'm going to try my very best to watch AEW Revolution uh, this coming week. I may not watch it live on Sunday night. Who knows? We'll see how everything goes in terms of timing and all that stuff, because um, I do have work and I also have a life um, outside of here. But, um... I will try my very best to watch Revolution this coming week, and more than likely there will be a review for AEW Revolution. If there is, we'll be talking about, of course, Sting's last match in AEW and professional wrestling ever, so we're going to be talking about that. That's going to be a heavy thing. Um, and, of course, the news of the week. All the news is fit for me to talk about. Um, everything that's coming out of, you know, Revolution, what's going to happen to AEW going forward. I'm sure there'll be some WWE news. Hopefully some news from NJPW, all that good stuff, all the things that you love about the YLP podcast. Other than that, though, I'm going to get the hell out of here. I'm going to make sure I'm going to get, you know, get back to full strength and get my sickness out of the way because I still have a little bit of nasal connection, but we're going to be figuring that out in the meantime. Other than that, though, guys, enjoy the remainder of your weekend. If you're going out this weekend, of course, make sure. You know, you uh, enjoy yourself responsibly. Drink one for you, boy, as always. Make sure you take that Uber or Lyft home. Don't want to have the risk of getting a DUI and dealing with uh, five-figure uh, numbers in terms of fines and all that stuff with cooler fees and all that stuff. No need for that. Take that Uber or Lyft home. Get home safely. And then you, get have, you can get to have a wonderful, lovely snack. Because drunk snacks are fucking delicious. But <laughs> not saying from experience or anything like that. But nonetheless, enjoy the remainder of your weekend. Have a fantastic week coming up, and I'll see you guys right back here next Saturday for episode 382 of the YLP Podcast. See you. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.